I forgot. Yeah. Yep. Dwayne Casey. Fired. He won. Yeah. He won coach of the year and got fired. Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. And like the coach of the year with was who? like the star of the Ooh. franchise and they traded him wow. and the head coach. John and I could actually talk basketball. I, I would oh, John's dude. big basketball. Uh, yeah. JBB. I was John's so excited basketball. for Blake Griffin <laughs> to get on a team with Andre Drummond and then nothing happened. I know. Right. Oh, so sad. Yeah. Oh, like that's man. Also, I didn't expect the fucking Celtics to implode. That's wild. I a hundred percent like was t- like I was even leading up to the like uh what was it semifinals? Yeah. How far did they even get? It should have been a championship squad potentially. Like, I was I a hundred percent was like no Celtics will figure it. Yeah, out. they're fucking they'll, deep and they got Kyrie it together. Yeah. And then they just they just fucking never did. No, because Kyrie's nice. a head case, unfortunately. Yeah. And he's with Durant now, which yeah. is going to be bonkers. <laughs> that is. In Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, yeah. <sighs> the team nobody cared about that just made them relevant. But they had a t- tr- but they traded D'Anzo Russell, so like, yeah. what is the team anymore? Like, I know. The, there, is, there is no identity to the team other than Kyrie. Kyrie and Durant now. Yeah, which not even Durant, because he's going to be out this year. <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh man, who's who's uh the coach of the Nets? God, Jay Z. Hey everybody, welcome to Pursuing Pixels. This is episode number 13, and my name's Kevin Portelli. I'm here tonight with our co-host Randall Nolary. Hey everybody. And DJ Mandolini. Am I not a co-host? Yeah, you're also a co-host. <laughs> my co-host tonight. <laughs> my co-hosts tonight. Oh, I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce the plural. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's plural. And then we've that we've also got a uh, proper credit. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got a, a non-co-host, uh, a, a non-host tonight, uh, John Hines. Hello, I'm John Hines. He uh, lives across the street. And, uh, That's he came the only today. connection I have. <laughs> he came over today to talk about some games. I've been looking into the window every week and being like, what's going on? You know, Putting he has the sticky notes in the window. Yeah. You know, he, we're only friends because he has the Sega Genesis and I have uh, a Nintendo and you know, uh, he has all the good games. He has X-Men. Thank you for so. admitting that he has better games. Continue. No, but uh, but John, we've we've mentioned John a bunch of times on the podcast before, bringing him onto the podcast today. And we're uh, we're doing our game of the month uh, this month or this week. Uh, and we've got Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. That's right. Why don't you get us started, John? Uh, what did you think of this game? I know you were playing a bunch of Ritual the night beforehand, and you went to yeah. pick this up. So so I actually I wasn't following the Kickstarter or the development of Ritual the Night that closely at all, so I didn't know any of the history behind it. I just knew it as a game that looked like Castlevania, and I was like, oh, that looks cool. I'll pick that up. And then it was after the fact that I realized that it was the same developer and that it had this history with Castlevania. And I've actually not played a ton of the NES Castlevanias or the Super Nintendo. I basically either, started yeah. at the GBA and then moved on through the DS releases as well. Same exact, yeah. Those are the, the great opposite. ones. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, cool. But yeah, so um, I, I, I kind of bounced off the NES Castlevanias because I was used to like that greater control with jumping um, and not you know having a very strict move set. 
and movement abilities that you that's have. That's I didn't games. even think about that. Like the jump, just the, the general movement feeling so different in these games. Uh, the exact reason why I switched over from veteran to casual was because <laughs> oh, my, I, man. oh, buddy, I beat this game on casual. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, that's okay, man. As long as you're having fun, that's yeah. the whole point. That's but the whole point of playing a game. The main reason why was I would clear a screen of enemies and then I would try to go back to get all the candles to get the hearts so that you'd use the abilities and inevitably i would always jump into a pit yeah. like just trying to like with no enemies on screen i would just lose all my lives <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't even realize you could go back to pre or do you mean before you advance before, to the I, next before I would move on to the next screen right yeah. okay interesting but interesting yeah. yeah but i'm in the same boat i have pretty minimal i've definitely played i own all three of the original nes castlevania games like in cartridge form I popped them in to test them out and just kind of, you know, make sure they work <laughs> in, yep. in one regard, but also just to pop them in and give them a quick spin. And uh, I, I want to say this game is mostly uh, inspired by Castlevania three. Uh, you have a few different characters that you can. I think there's four. I think there's actually even a few more characters in different modes, but I've only played the main mode. I, I, I thought no, I heard wrong. there was another character. <laughs> well, anyways, there's at least four different characters. I don't know that you're correct, DJ, but we'll get into that later. Well, according but, to uh, the lore, there's <laughs> oh only God. four games. What's that? There's, there's only four characters. But okay, well, okay. Well, I'm wrong. Per usual. Just like I said. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I had only played a little bit of the NES games going into this, and this was kind of my first uh, foray into, uh, like, fully-fledged foray into this kind of uh, game. I mean, obviously, I've played a ton of NES side-scrolling platformers that are pretty tough but you know first castlevania-esque experience but dj why don't you uh dive into it a little bit since yeah, you're the most it, uh, versed in these probably it, it seems like i've got the opposite experience of everyone else because <laughs> like growing up this uh castlevania 3 was the only castlevania game we owned and my dad and i just played the shit out of it like they they even had like you know back then the the passwords would just be like a a grid that you had oh, to yeah. fill out and like we would play in like our basement like and we would like carve into the the unpainted cement walls <laughs> of the different passwords. <laughs> Jesus. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh so yeah, I got got a lot of experience with that one. And yeah, this Bloodstains very much resembles uh Castlevania 3 the most. Um like I'd say the four characters uh in Bloodstain uh resemble pretty closely the three character or no the four characters uh duh, that you get. I think in- it might be five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think you unlock You can play as Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it's Alucard. <laughs> um sorry for the sirens, by the way, if anybody's listening in the car. Oh, I can hear those ones. <laughs> I always like whenever I'm listening to a podcast while I'm driving to work or something, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm getting pulled over. Mm. And then it's just like sirens in the background on whatever podcast I'm listening to. But Shameful. anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like this was a pretty big nostalgia trip for me, but it, it was also nice to see like a lot of improvements. Like one of the biggest complaints about the old Castlevania games is like the the stairs mechanics mm. like <laughs> needing to like if if you're near some stairs but uh you need to like duck or whatever like it's very easy to get like caught 
going yeah, yeah. down when you really just want to crouch. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like the level design in this game made it so that wasn't really an issue. Um, another thing that was nice was just being able to like, if you're jumping and you're like, and the stairs are like right under your feet, like you're not starting from the bottom of the stairs, but you could just land like partially up way uh, from the bottom of the stairs. Right. Like, like midway. Yeah. 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 Is just like that. That just makes sense. That was oh, something yeah. from the tiny bit I've played of the NES Castlevania games. That was something I definitely noticed. Was like, oh, these stairs feel a little better. I didn't. I didn't have as much of a grasp on it, but I was just like, these feel better for whatever reason. Yeah, and and the design like makes everything way more intuitive. Like hearts actually heal you. In yeah, this game. yeah, it's yeah. not like your <laughs> weapon true. currency. Yeah, yeah, and like you took know, me a second. Right. Um, and like all the candles look the same in the mm-hmm. old NES games, but in this one, it's just like, oh, like different colored lanterns. You can see like, oh, this is going to give me a new item. Weapon. Yeah. So if I have something I like, I know I can just avoid this and not accidentally hit it and run into it and have something I hate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I still found myself accidentally grabbing like heart containers and like getting health with a oh, character yeah. that, that had full, full health, health. Uh, yeah. you know, when I was like clearly switched off of a different character, but also Again, with more buttons on the controller, I don't know how it worked in Castlevania 3, but you can just hit the shoulder button and just quickly cycle through the characters. Um, and I also liked how each continue, I don't know, again, maybe this is how it worked in Castlevania 3 as well. Not to just keep drawing the comparisons, but I really liked how like a continue was like all of your, you had to, all of your characters had their own independent health bar. They all had to die before you lost one of your lives you know, yeah. or your continues or whatever. Yeah, I, I really liked that. I liked being able to like, strategically switch characters in and out it wasn't just like you died with one character and you automatically move on to the next one so you really can choose exactly when you want to switch in a character or if you find a health item like you can switch to a character that has low health right yeah or like when you have the mage character i forget his name but like when you do that like fire barrier what's his name alfred alfred yeah when you do the little like fire barrier attack yeah like you can do that and then switch switch. to another character that's really cool and just plow through and do a bunch of attacks because alfred is uh he's kind of he's kind of weak he's got his little (laughs) wooden staff and that's about all he can do you know although i I don't know uh if it's spoilers or not but there's one boss that uh alfred is like from what i played necessary almost yes. they almost give you like a power up yeah. if you're talking about yes. the same directly before about. that like is the, the pirate only... ship yeah yeah and like lightning is they like only the give only... that power up to him in very specific like you're about to face a boss and if you're if you only have alfred right you have no chance i tried beating that boss with i believe miriam and like I could not land a single hit because like, is Miriam always, the purple character? Yeah. I don't know any. She has, of she has whip. <laughs> okay, like, yeah, mechanic. that was that was my favorite character. Probably, yeah, I, I, I I, yeah she's one. like at the traditional move set. Of, she's like, she's a good. Game. Traditional yeah. move set, but a high higher jump. jump. Yeah. Yes, uh, not the necessarily slide. a further jump, but a but a higher jump, mm. and then kind of that Mega Man slide, like where you can slide under a tight Just gap. The easiest to platform with, I would yes. say. Yeah, yeah. Although that was a a thing that like I I'm guessing it's a mechanic that's in all of the Castlevania games where like you have a, if you're doing a vertical jump, you're just going to be moving up and down. And if you have a directional jump, you are going to be moving a fixed distance. Yes. Right. And not was, a fan. That is absolutely not a mechanic not a I was fan. used to. Cause I, I was, I've played, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Metroid series. And if you're doing a vertical jump, you can still move during that, but you have greater precision controls. Whereas if you're doing a directional jump, you can still move, 
but you're doing a spin attack at the same time. So it's, it's unrealistic, man. These <laughs> games are trying to be realistic. Yeah, you, you can't always, change your velocity. You always move four feet every time you jump. You can never change. It is unrealistic, but that is exactly why I play video games to escape reality. Yeah. I can't jump and control my velocity midair. You'll land in, in the real same life. Spot but ever. yeah, I wanna I wanna be able to do that in a video game. Like that's why I like the Mario games so much. You know, yeah. I can I can finesse my way through the platform as opposed to like having to strategically plan my way through the platforming which and, is and that's how later castlevania games are as well like yeah they're, they're more they're like, more finesse and, and you, they have more of like that rpg element of like mm. getting a bunch of upgrades and level ups and and this and that which this game has less of yeah, or easier. almost none of but like and, and I, <laughs> I, I, I don't i don't hate these mechanics but i just like yeah i prefer the feeling of like the finesse as opposed to the feeling of the precision that said, um, I don't think I noticed it after the second level. I, I noticed it throughout the whole game, person personally. I, I know I made a really boneheaded jump on the last boss where, like, I accidentally made a directional jump just off. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> did that more than once. And I was yeah. just like, oh god. But for the most part, like, once I got to the end, like, it had been ingrained enough in me that like I wouldn't make those jumps anymore. Yeah, but it definitely did take until the end of the game. Yeah. Well, what's uh just before? I mean, we can dig deeper into this game, but what's everyone's opinions on this game? Uh, just in terms of like, did you like it? How do, how does it stack up? Well, how do you feel overall? I loved it. I I really liked loved this it. game. Okay. I think if you were to stack like Shovel Knight, if you were to stack this game up against actual NES Ooh, games, whoa. it'd be top. Yeah. Two. All all three of us just like <laughs> yeah, looked at you're each other. talking some shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Talking some no, but shit. Go, go ahead. Go Comparing ahead. Comparing this to a good game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, okay. No, no. I'm glad I'm I went not, first not, then, so I can find. I'm not all that of you. extreme. I'm not that extreme. But go, go ahead, Randall. I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> no, you did. That's okay, though. So. <laughs> I was gonna say. I guess I did, but I, I shouldn't have. Is what I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this. I, I honestly, I, I loved playing this game, and the design language. They just nailed that old Castlevania feel. I also was somebody that owned all the old still do own all the old castlevanias uh on nes and bloodlines on genesis and super castlevania 4 and played through symphony of the night and so loved love the series too um but yeah like to the point where i pulled out i bought one of those uh overpriced nes controllers from the nintendo switch online thing and i'm like oh i've got this i wonder if this will work and there are enough buttons to make it work to play through this game. It, it takes a little finagling to set it up, but once it's set up, once it's set up, it actually does work. So, so you can hit like select to switch the characters and stuff like that. So there's actually embedded uh, right and left shoulder buttons. Oh, like, cool. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So I just ended up using those, which is obviously not traditional NES control, but it had a better D pad than anything else I had available too. So I yeah. made it work. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's awesome. I didn't know those had a couple extra buttons on them, so that's cool. Totally. So that was fun. It was a fun way to go through this game. Yeah, and I, I didn't mean to sound overly negative on this game by any means. I had a fun time. I, I beat the game, which I don't typically do with video games. I totally. I typically, like, I get the, I hit a wall where I'm like, okay, I've had my fun, and it's time to move on to something new. But I, I did see this one through, and it is a shorter game. I think it took me only two hours or so to, to play through the game on, like, the standard normal difficulty. But uh, but after you beat it, you do unlock a few different modes. But again, I, I just tend to prefer to play platformers that have more of that like finesse that feels like I'm like you can make some jumps that feel like you're like getting away with something or like 
you're making like kind of like or just being more daring and and crazy with stuff where like this game feels like again you have to like oh i made that mistake okay now i know what to do um and i i don't hate that but i i just tend to lean towards platformers that feel more like i'm like i can find ways around it but i i did really appreciate like you know all the characters have different abilities which then allow you to like if you have the, all the characters available there's a lot of different like branching paths for like a game that oh, isn't yeah. a Metroidvania by any means. You know, they're just, just like set levels. But uh, but you have a bunch of different ways to go about it for different secrets or just shortcuts or whatever you want to want to call it. And all the characters feel pretty well balanced and, and differentiated from one another. Um, I definitely had a good time playing this game. I, I don't see myself going back and playing through all the different modes and stuff. But uh, but or the you know the new game plus or the nightmare mode or whatever. Nightmare. Um, but I but I you know if I get the urge to play this game again, you know I I like to know that that nightmare mode's there. Like oh, okay, I have a different challenge waiting for me as opposed to like oh I could I just replay the game for the sake of it, you know? Yeah, I mean I I felt similarly uh, after I beat it the first time, thinking like I'm not sure if I'm gonna necessarily go back to do these other modes, but I you know. Gave it a shot, went through nightmare mode, and with that one, you don't have uh, Zangzu. You just have the other three characters, and um, you're going through the levels exactly the same as before. Uh, but it's really cool to go back through the early levels again that have these shortcuts built in for the other characters. That right now, you can take part in, um, and, and they're clearly deliberately made. Like you see, like a jump that you physically can't make with a character right. that you don't have access to. You so have to like turn into the bat and fly over there, or and, and they'll and they'll and they telegraph that really well so that you'll see that, and you're then like you see that, and you're like, oh, this is something I need something else to get through. Exactly. And I love how they have those little like kind of i don't know the dead like skeletons or whatever that are like pointing yeah. you towards like either sometimes they're pointing you just in the general direction of like move ahead in the level and sometimes they're like here's a little secret over here if you have the right ability or whatever and i like that touch like it telegraphs without like you still have to you still have to complete the challenge to get there or to the challenge once you get there but it kind of shows you like this is a way to go not like you're not just wandering around aimlessly you're not you're not wasting time just combing these levels you know they kind of let you know hey secret over here right um what's cool about nightmare mode like aside from the fact that uh you know all the boss fights are a little bit harder um like some bosses will like you know attack quicker or like you know on the very first boss like where there's uh the boss that shoots the fire onto the ground um in hard mode like that lingers and you have to attack it so that you can actually stand on the ground again like little subtle changes like that okay um but the uh eighth level is completely different um you're doing a level where um the three of you uh of your characters like split off and have their own sections of the level that they have to complete on their own and then there's a new boss fight at the end so like i feel like it decently rewards you for going back through the game again um but i'm curious if any of you are at all familiar with like the 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 last mode or what no. is what is the third mode because i saw there's like three there's like the normal mode or veteran or whatever it is and then yeah. there's like the two question marks which one is nightmare mode and then there's another one yeah. after so to to be honest i forget the name of the mode that's but, okay <laughs> um so it's a mode where you're only zang Tzu, and you're only him because um in your normal playthrough of the game, 
uh, you do something that I didn't know was an option. This is what I was thinking about earlier. Yes. When um, when uh, you beat the first three levels and, you know, you are introduced to these new characters, you can just straight up kill them. Oh, geez. (laughs) Instead of talking to them and getting their... <clears throat> getting them to join your party, you can just kill them. And when you kill them, Zangzu gets a new ability. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh. Ooh. It's called and Ultimate of those, Mode, by the way. Ultimate Mode, thank okay. you. And one of those is abilities is a double jump. <laughs> oh. So, can, you, can you jump in one direction and then jump yes. back in the... Okay, <laughs> okay, that just changes the, the game. Game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so ultimate mode, I think is really very similar to normal mode. Um, but I think, I think in that mode, yeah, actually, uh, as you replay, you can then get the other three because when you started, you have those three abilities already. And so, but do you always start as Zangetsu? Yes. In in ultimate mode. Yes. Okay. So like when you gain the character, it's not like you're starting with Miriam and then like she could kill. No, it's, it's basically like you're starting from the beginning, except you have the three abilities already. And so it's just like, Oh, so there's no reason not to take these people with me because there's no reason to kill them now. Right. So now you're like even more powerful. powerful. But are like all enemies, do they have more health? Do bosses have more health? Similar to nightmare mode. It's like the bosses are harder. I, you know, I didn't notice any increased difficulty with regards to, you know, the, the rest of the levels Mm -hmm. aside from the boss, but you know, maybe I missed something. I'm, I don't know, but it, it, oh man, you just feel so jacked. Going <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. Cause I will say one of the things that I initially, like when I first was starting this game up, I was like, I j- was jotting down some notes and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to mention that like a lot of times like Inti creates and in the, the developer of this game, they sometimes, and I know I said this at the beginning and I, and I specifically mentioned that I didn't want it to come off as a slight cause, but I was thinking that like, Man, this does feel like they just pawned off this game on like just crank out an NES Castlevania game. Just crank it out. You know, that, I mean, it was, it was literally kind of a feeling... stre- stretch goal for a Kickstarter. It was like an right. afterthought that way. <laughs> right. And it really felt that way. And it just like, OK, they're just cranking this out and it's well made and it's got good music, nothing super memorable or anything. But it's but it's well made and I'm I'm immersed in the experience while I'm playing it. But at the same time, it just feels kind of cookie cutter. But knowing that they go to I this disagree. depth and they have, well, well, I was going to say, knowing that they have all these, all this depth and these different branching paths and these different, like, oh, you're playing it again, but oh man, it's totally different now that I know what I'm doing and I have these characters and I know that if I, if I am able to preserve them all to get to the end of the level, I can take this shortcut or I can find this secret or whatever. Like it, it felt like kind of a shallow experience at first. But now going through it again, I, I don't think I'm with you, Randall, where I want to put this game at like the top of the NES. Like, I, I don't think it stands with Shovel Knight and stuff like that. I think it's definitely a cut below that, at least in terms of like the, the beef of the package. Oh, and yeah. the soundtrack. <laughs> but but just like the overall beef of it, it's, it's still a pretty, pretty small game overall. Um, I don't mean that to sound dismissive. No, that's but, uh, a good thing. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I finished it for welcome. once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I I do think that uh, it was really nice to see how this game opened up and like the second playthrough. Like I've mentioned before, I love leaving that. Like, oh, I have an incentive. Like, if I do feel like playing this game again, there's a whole different way to play it again, as opposed to like just playing it again because I feel like it. So yeah. 
but, I, but yeah, I didn't mean that to sound like a, like I was shitting on it. I liked how it opened up, even though it did feel like it was just this pawned off. Oh, here's a NES Castlevania game, but it's definitely taking that and really polishing it up. And yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I will say like, I, I don't particularly like the NES Castlevanias. And like, if I hadn't like been playing this game specifically to come on a podcast to talk about it, I don't know if I would have actually stuck through and beaten it. But I'm I'm really glad that I did, because I do think that it was a very well-crafted game. I think all the levels were, like, very, like, deliberately designed to, like, have very specific mechanics that you use. And, like, like, the branching paths, I thought, were, like, really well done. So that, like, even if, like, one, like, say you're not really good at the precision jumping, like, then you just go through a different path that maybe has more enemies. Yep. Or, like, say you died with a character that would go through a certain path well you still have the ability to go through another path that doesn't utilize their mechanics yep so i think it's an incredibly well-made game in in terms of like level design and that it has like it complements a lot of different play styles and i think it does that very well um and i'm glad that i beat it because i I do think like the bosses even like had a lot of different mechanics and really fun yeah i like the boss battles a lot i thought they were boss battles i I were really yeah we should i feel like that's worth like just having a whole discussion about because like it was cool like one of the things that i noted was like and i never had this affect my play in terms like i never got a death or a game over because of this but it seems like almost every boss there was maybe one or two exceptions but like after you kill them there there's kind of like a a death blow yeah. that they yeah. deliver yeah. that's like you have to dodge or avoid yep. which in, uh, in all honesty most times i took the hit Same. but i had enough mm-hmm. health to to dodge it but it, but it cool took to three know. bosses for me to realize that i was always going to happen <laughs> <laughs> i probably yeah. shouldn't stand next to them like repeatedly crouching doing a dance <laughs> yeah there was a couple bosses that it like froze right after i killed them like i couldn't move at all and i was like i'm not so sure about this i'm not comfortable here yet but uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was a cool mechanic and the boss battles are all like a, a small, you know, puzzle platform challenge, not a puzzles, maybe a little bit strong of a term, but uh, there, it's definitely a mechanic like you need to learn. The you got to solve. You can't survive uh, yeah. just by taking everything. It's not hit. just you need to learn just their smash patterns. the boss. Right. Yeah, I would encourage uh, going through the boss rush option. Oh, I didn't even know that was an option. It's, so. it's from the from the main. The like, I think yeah, you it's like which actually, game start. Then I kind of like that as an open like option for a game like because if you're so from playing, the beginning if you're, ha- you're talking about before you even beat the game yeah as available I, I i believe so because i i had it like definitely after at least the first level oh interesting. so and i don't know if maybe that just has the first boss i didn't check but okay but i i think that would be a good thing like if you're like you know not particularly great at bosses but you're good at the platforming like you can practice the bosses so that when you have like a set amount of lives in order if you're going through on veteran mode or if you're like me, who just wants to beat the game. And- <laughs> well, see, I, I mean, I played through on, on on veteran mode and it took me a little under two hours to beat the game, I think. And and for the most part, I pretty much breezed through this. I mean, I got, I got a couple game overs or not game overs, but continues lost alive. But I mean, I ended with like nine or ten lives. Oh, yeah. They give out lives pretty good. Yeah. Nice. And I, I and didn't health. find a Yeah. Despite being a pretty, yeah. pretty challenging game didn't find myself being like frustrated to the point of like throwing my controller. Although I, I did find myself saying motherfucker, you know, like while I'm playing, but I forget, do enemies drop health randomly sometimes? I don't think so because yeah, I, I was wondering maybe, I, but, but pretty often in the lanterns and stuff, if, if not the enemies, it's or a, in often, the walls. But yeah. Yeah. Because there, I think there was a point where like I was, uh, 
after I had gotten I had gotten a, a lot of game overs back when I was originally playing on veteran mode. And I, I was like, OK, if enemies aren't going to drop health, I'm just going to dodge them and I'm just going to run through because I don't want to play through the first three screens or whatever. Yeah. So like I'm a very impatient player when I play Me Metroidvanias in particular. So <laughs> uh, I'm I don't speed run per se, but I definitely let my I damage boost a lot through things just because i want to be quick and i want to like move fast and i want to do things quick well especially if you have played a little bit of level and and then lost a life or, or died with a character or whatever and like you're just playing again mm-hmm. you're just like just get just get me back to where i was you know so um but yeah i i had a really good time with this game I gl- i'm glad i played it and to be honest like again these these older nes castlevania games i don't see myself going back to like maybe the original or definitely not the second game i hear definitely that one uh branches out of the the formula formula a little bit but castlevania 3 if it's going to go with the switching characters different power-ups I, I might pop this game in again and, and give it a spin and and potentially go back to curse of the moon uh, when I, you know, am feeling that itch and play the uh, nightmare mode or the uh, ultimate mode. Can we all agree that Gebel, the Dracula slash Alucard character, is the best character in Curse of the Moon? 100%. Are yeah. you serious? What yeah. would you use Ooh, otherwise? Oh, wait, hold on. Who are you, you're talking about the, the, the guy, guy who turn into throws bat. the bats? Yeah. Yeah. I still think the mage. The mage is my man. Oh, you, no. <laughs> no health. Give me, give me <laughs> Arthur. Hit. Give me Arthur all day long. Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I actually Arthur, think... Arthur, uh, Alfred, Mae, what's the What's the purple character's? Miriam? Yeah. yeah. Miriam, I like her probably the most. Oh, I, Miriam I is with the her second the most. best. Mi- Miriam is the most Castlevania control-y character. She's, it just felt that I like the high jump. I like the... Uh, she, she was the one the I felt most whip. comfortable with, but I think that Gable was like the best in terms of like... I, I the second I got him, I basically didn't see. I, I yes, tended to want to same. save him for like just in case there was an area that was like, oh, here's a secret area that I can fly over to as a bat or sneak just through a little small tunnel. Is better, man. Yeah. Well, no, that's, and that's, you don't have to ration if you use Gebel. Like every time you hit a torch or candle or whatever, it's going to be more of instead. Yeah, instead because of he doesn't have instead a, sub of a weapon. Right. So yeah, instead of a sub charge, weapon, his so sub weapon is automatically turning into a bat, and then he has a bunch of different attacks as a bat. But basically, that's that. So, like, if you just want to beef up on magic, he's a great character her- character to pick. Yep. And you also have that ability to, like, attack enemies, like, through the floor. Like, yeah. one of the nice that, things about oh this game, God, and, and actually, with with all anti-creates game, and, and uh, we'll probably have a little gap before we get to Mighty Gunvolt Burst, but one of the things with at least both of these games, you can attack the projectiles, which is a huge, mm-hmm. huge thing that took me a little getting used to. That's not, at least most of the games I play, that's not the norm. Right. You know, you're, you're trying to dodge the projectiles as opposed to eliminate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game definitely, you know, that's that's kind of one of the strategies. And again, with Miriam, with that long whip, you're really able to kind of like, because it'll attack enemies. It's not just the motion of throwing the whip, but even if it's still like out and extended, mm-hmm. it'll still attack enemies as long as it's out there, you know, out in the wild. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna get some hits. So I, I yeah, I, I found uh I found this game to be a lot of fun. I forgot where we were even going with that, but but I, I had disagreeing fun. about the best character to use, but <laughs> it's Miriam. It's all about Miriam. DJ, who is your main? Uh I'd say I'd switch between the two. Like I think I would go through most of the levels as Miriam primarily and save uh Gable for the the secret 
parts were the shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for, for, I mean, I, I just played boss rush the other day and I was just switching between the two of them. It's just like, there's, I mean, the weakness of Gable's like, he can't attack things that are like super Directly, low yeah, yeah. Right next to him. Yep. Like if there's like a rat on the ground, oh, yeah, can't even attack. You, you literally can't attack. Or like <laughs> yeah. the, the fifth boss at like the, the, the one with all the electricity, like shoots all the spears into mm-hmm. the ground. Like you can't really attack them and get rid of them with him. I, um, I do like that. The boss is kind of almost force you to change characters. Like yeah. the, there's, they may not be specifically designed for one, but there is definitely one that is stronger. Than oh the yeah, other. definitely. So, um, because I think the last boss, like I almost exclusively used uh Zangetsu and uh, mm. Alfred. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I used Zangetsu in that first first version of that last boss. Oh, oh like, the first. Let him be Actually, that for the first sponge. version, I only used Alfred. Which one was the last boss again? I don't know. Why I'm drawing a blank. It's but. a it's a big. Uh, oh, if we're going into the lore. Spoilers, it, spoilers. It's a big moon demon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't even remember who I used. Gable. I don't even remember who I used. I think it was Alfred. Because, yeah, you, I just had, like, the fire shield. And yeah. I was yeah. using it to dodge a lot of the, like, oh, is it, like, a swarm of bats or bats something? I don't yeah. know. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was using, yeah, I was using it. They, 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 those crescent moons would come down and, like, attack you in, like, a swooping pattern. Yeah. And, and you could and basically always, just, you'd have give to damage you magic. Of, yeah, because you would, had to damage them in order to, you couldn't just dodge them. You yeah. Had to but they gave for, you magic, and then if you use the fire, like, shield or whatever, mm-hmm. you can just plow through those, get the magic, re-up on all your magic, and then I would use him the for demon. when the, the boss was attacking, and then I would switch over to Zangetsu to attack. So really? I, yeah. Wow. How many attacks could you get in though? Not a ton. See, I was, I, I was Miriam. I got five attacks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I feel like with Sangetsu, you can only get like one or two. We played. Yeah, different I, I basically ways. did like. Yeah. No, dude. That like, that boss took me a long time. Right, okay. <laughs> so I got well, then, Alfred's homing attack, which you can only oh. get by flying across the gap with Gebel before you went up the stairs to the final boss. Okay. Right. Well, if you're trying to play it more difficultly, you might play with uh, Alfred and uh, Miriam. No. I was just having such a good time. That, just you know. the biggest jerk. No, I, 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 I love I love all the like flying around and finding different secrets. And, and actually, yeah, that Alfred mechanic of like that lightning bolt where you can like essentially you're just shooting those off and then avoiding, you know, just dodging the the boss's attacks and stuff. Yep. Um. Yeah. I, again, I just like all the different ways to play. It's like it sounds like it sounds like we all played this game. Or different, even different boss, like the final boss battle. It sounds like we all played it differently. Yeah. So that's pretty cool that this game offers up. It's not like Mega Man where it's like you have to play. You don't have to obviously you can beat it with the Mega Buster, uh, but like vulnerable to like. Yeah, this is man. this is the way to play. Whereas like this is like, you know what? What do you? Which way do you prefer playing? And I I feel like this game leaves it a little more open ended. Obviously, the secrets are sometimes specific to each character. But I feel like it leaves it a little more open ended for how you want to approach the enemies or the bosses. So totally pretty cool. So, John, as someone who isn't a huge fan of the old Castlevania games and maybe Curse of the Moon wasn't exactly your style, like how how do you feel about Ritual of the Night? Yeah, so I I definitely liked Ritual of the Night uh, significantly more than Curse of the Moon, (laughs) which isn't to say that I disliked Curse of the Moon, but I really liked Ritual of the Night. Nice. And it, it definitely came as a surprise to me, like, which is maybe surprising for someone who is such a big Castlevania fan that, like, I didn't follow the development of Ritual of the Night at all. 
I had no idea that there was a Kickstarter for it. Oh, then. yeah. Like, I literally thought it was just a game in the style of Castlevania and not a Koji Garashi game. <laughs> like, so well, I remember even seeing like so late in development that when they switched the art style and Igarashi like put out a video of him recreating the Dracula scene <laughs> yeah. from Symphony of the Night. Yep. I was like, oh, that's a cool thing for someone to do as a tribute, not realizing it was the guy who created it doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so it was a really nice surprise. And uh, I, I remember even when the like, first couple of reviews started coming out and people were talking about it being, you know, janky or having some, especially on the Switch, like frame rate issues. Oh, or, yeah. Like, Lots of bugs. Product. And I, I, honestly couldn't care less just because (laughs) like if you've played a lot of the like ds or like uh the first game i ever had frame rate issues was circle of the moon uh the first gba game and i had no idea what that was at the time but it was just like there were too many enemies doing too many things on the screen (laughs) at one time and the game just starts chugging so once that started happening on like uh, Ritual of the Night, I was like, ah, oh, good, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, if you grew up playing retro games on NES, Super Nintendo, any other platform, I mean, you're is Genesis. I mean, you're used to that kind of slow down when things chug. get crazy. It all, it almost like it's almost nostalgic feeling, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, and like I, I could totally understand how like someone might see it as a slight against the game, but for me, like. Like, cause I've played uh, not every single like Metroidvania game that has come out since, because both like Konami has been very reticent at putting any new. You're talking games about literal out. either Metroid like, yes, or games because games. yeah, those yeah. are like two of my favorite series, and neither company seems particularly interested in putting out <laughs> those games right so i've i played a lot of like the especially the early like metroidvanias um that weren't necessarily that great like um but then once they got you know more perfected after over years like hollow knight i thought was an incredible game oh yeah and i know that that's <laughs> Uh, Kevin's not going to talk. Um, <laughs> I don't hate it. I just don't like it. I don't, don't think it's that good. I don't, don't worry. Don't he's already like got this, his bashing in. I just here. don't you're think fine. it's like this amazing game. Like, I, I don't I don't understand what it wrong. does differently. But you fine. don't like the art. That's fine. Right. But no. I don't like, like the game. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it, it was like there, there was a very specific feeling that I didn't honestly think I was missing. Um, that once, as soon as I started playing Ritual of the Night, I was, like, immediately taken back. Like, even when there was, like, a bloat of mechanics in a certain area that I didn't want, like, oh, here's an unnecessary crafting screen. And I was like, yes, this is exactly (laughs) what I wanted. So, yeah, Ritual of the Night scratched, like, so many itches that I didn't realize I had, like, as a Castlevania fan. Nice. Did it, has anyone else played this game? I've played none of it, to be honest. And, and I got to say, even after these, like, I, I thought it was cool that they updated the art style after getting such like a backlash on. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, man, that nobody seems to be into this <laughs> art style. Uh, but but personally, I'm still just not. I, I'm, I tend to gravitate to, uh, er, towards I tend to gravitate away from the 2.5 D. Mm-hmm stuff for whatever reason even though donkey kong country tropical freeze is probably my favorite game ever mm-hmm. um but I, but i just i don't know just it just 
a lot of times loses a lot of character in that. Like, I, I feel like it tends to be kind of. I don't know, a lot of games that use like a, a 2D design just tend to be more like like Hollow Knight, even though it's a game I don't love mm-hmm. personally, but it's but it's a game that every area is unique, even though I, I personally do feel like there's not enough variety in the zones and the areas and stuff. But like each screen is totally unique from the previous one. You're right. you're in a totally unique zone. It's not like, you know, if you're playing Mario Maker, for example, like you're you're using these tile sets. And I know they're probably using that in Hollow Knight to some degree. But but I really feel like it's all created for a specific purpose as opposed to just being like, here's this next room. Yeah. That's I, just kind of pasted with a slight challenge added to it. You know, yeah, if that I, makes sense. I, I will say that's, I think, a strength of the Castlevania series in particular, like the literal Castlevania series, is that like when you have a, a permanent map that is like every room is deliberately placed where this room goes directly into this one because it needs to be this length in order to connect to the next. So like right. everything is very well like thought out and put. And that's probably where like the majority of like the planning goes in level design. And there's yeah. always like, this is where the roadblock is and it's going to be telegraphed. So you know that you, like the first time you come across a pool of blood, you know that there's going to be something that you will get that will drain <laughs> that pool of blood. Like there is no way you are not going to interact with this giant thing that is so obvious. But like it's it's good because then you know like, okay, I will come back to and then you learn these locations and you learn the progression of it and then uh like I know uh I, you mentioned on an earlier podcast how when you played uh I'm guessing it was either uh, it's probably Aria or Dawn of Sorrow, uh, where you got a bad ending and the game ended like very <laughs> yeah, early. Dawn of Sorrow. I'm, yeah. I'm almost positive because uh, the, they have those like multiple endings here, and like yeah, I did. It's like, oh shit, she got away. <laughs> what do you mean she got away? I want to kill that. <laughs> yeah, kill that motherfucker. No, because yeah, I, I did that very like because the whole thing is you're Miriam and you're pursuing Gable, who's been corrupted by this. So yeah, like Miriam, the, you play as Miriam. Yeah, no, yeah. Why didn't you say this? Okay, I, I didn't. <laughs> does, real- she, does she have the long? whip i'm in no okay speak long so, jump i get, high yeah, jump and long whip i'm in <laughs> um so, so yeah how yeah. does this tie in to the, the, to the, the, it has the curse exact the same characters as curse of the moon like the four okay. main characters um where you are miriam as the main character and i think they have in, in ritual of the night in ritual Z- of the night you play zengetsu zengetsu is the first character you get in, in curse, curse of the moon, of the moon. And, yes. and he's kind of the main yeah he's right. kind of the main dude yeah yes okay um, and he's the main anti-hero in this game he's your rival you fight him Ooh, that's uh, super interesting because he they play it as like everyone else like he's like i guess you can join my team i, right. I thought that was kind of interesting like they're like hey i have this ability he's like okay you're pretty sweet at this you kind of suck but i guess you can join my team <laughs> but it, like also, he- <laughs> it lays like a pretty good groundwork for why he's so like like pissy towards you when you meet him because the whole thing is like he is a demon hunter and you and Gable are uh, shard bringers, which are alchemists. Like alchemists have used you to uh, take in the power of demons, which and is very. Can you similar. switch between these characters? Or no, you're, you're Miriam. The you're whole Miriam game. throughout the whole game, okay. which is uh, interesting. I think they've maybe talked about it being DLC of later on, where they're going to add in different modes in different games or from different characters. Yeah. Oh, cool. Which is very similar to what they've done in like Aria of Sorrow, where like. 
eventually you would be able to play as different characters that you would meet throughout the game and they would be completely different. Um, whereas like in Aria of Sorrow, it's a very um, uh, symphony of the night where you can change equipment and change powers and you absorb different demon souls. And that's essentially the same thing that you do in uh, Ritual of the Night, where you always have a chance of getting a shard from an enemy, and that shard will be unique basically through any enemy. There are a few enemies that share shards, but pretty much every single unique enemy has a unique shard. So it's it's a very collecting heavy game in terms like they have item drops that they have as well that you some of them are craftable, some of them are equipment. So you're the the thing that I think was a very good strength of the early GBA and DS games was that you would be constantly switching your equipment or constantly switching your uh, like souls in Aria of Sorrow or Dawn of Sorrow, and that you kind of do that in uh, Ritual of the Night. I think the biggest complaint I have with it is that I found a shard combination for like various like you have a shoulder button one, you have like a sub weapon one. You have a passive one, you have an ability one, like, and I found like one, basically the second shard that I got. And I was like, I'm never using another I'm one. I'm sticking with this. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. So I would just get hundreds of them. And throughout the game, I was like, nope, still using Ignis Stormare. Like this is. But is that <laughs> just, is that just like a state? Like, cause to be honest, like again, to go back to Curse of the Moon, I had my like one or two characters I kind of wanted to default to. And I would typically use the other characters almost to like as sponges, you know, yeah. like let me take some damage with uh, Alfred mm-hmm. or with Zingetsu because they don't have the range or they don't have the abilities that I want. But uh, it, were you feeling like you were making that sacrifice or were, was it a different kind of. Okay, so a, a, a similar thing is when. uh in the DS games, like anytime you would get a new weapon, sometimes a new weapon would be significantly stronger than the one that you had, but it would be a completely different type. Right. So like in, like you might have like a dagger, which is just like a straight attack, like right ahead of you and Short it doesn't do anything. And, yeah. Or you would have an axe, which is slower, but it's an arc over you. And like or, double damage or something. Right. Yeah. So like the game is really good at parsing out weapons so that you're constantly switching, or at least I typically the way I do it is I'll use whatever the strongest weapon is, and then I will adapt my playstyle to that because I think it stri- like switches it up a lot. Um, but the thing that I I think like uh, with the turns of shards that I think was a, a little bit of a misstep was that like there's no uh, leveling mechanic for them like there used to be leveling mechanics in uh uh i think it was portrait of ruin maybe where like the more you would use one the stronger it would get so there was always an incentive even if you had like one that you liked more like for me stick with it who's a completionist i would like okay but i want a hundred percent like get every one so i would start using ones that i wasn't necessarily good at and being forced to use something that I wasn't good at, I would start to see its strengths in different ways. That's cool. Whereas, whereas for Ritual of the Night, I'm like, okay, I'm just shooting like infinite pillars of fire in front of me. That's always going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> but does it feel good to be like a powerhouse in that regard? Because sometimes it feels good to just level up and just plow through enemies and stuff like that. It does. There were only uh, like a few bosses near the end of the game that I was like actually having difficulty with honestly i think i probably beat every boss like on the first go 
every single wow. time because mm. like th- that is a big difference between I, th- I think the NES Castlevanias and the uh, like Koji Garashi. See, but I could say the same for Curse of the Moon. I think there was only one or two bosses I had to fight more than once, but I, I See, beat oh. most of them on the first try. Mm. See, for me, like, but I'm the, good at for games. those. Like, I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but for those games, like, I you kind of have a, like a run or two where you are getting damaged by the boss and it's like, strict memorization. Yeah, so, and you kind of have to like die a few times, maybe even to learn the patterns or understand this is the progression that the boss takes. Whereas in like the Metroid games or the Castlevania game, like later Castlevania games, like you would be able to take enough damage throughout them or you've leveled up to enough point where you can sort of plow through and learn it as it's happening. So there's this like dynamic learning of, okay, I understand this is what the pattern is. And maybe you get to a point where you've advanced far enough and you have a small amount of health and you're trying to get it and you're the boss switches to its final mode and you're trying to dodge and you get this like heightened sense of, like, I, like, maybe I can do this. Maybe I've got, gotten far enough. And that I, I really like that in uh, terms of like Metroid and ca- later Castlevania games that I didn't really get with uh, Curse of the Moon. Yeah, that I did a, get in Ritual of the Night. It's hard to strike that perfect balance of like, I could beat this boss on the first try. It takes a lot of effort, but I could beat mm-hmm. it on the first try if I like figure out the pattern. Yeah, I might I figure use out the all attacks. of my health items like that I've stocked up. Yeah, that seems like a great experience. But like then if you end up dying, it would then feel like, oh, OK, this is really easy. Like, I know yeah. exactly what to yeah. do. Do you start right back dance. at the boss when you die? Because yep. like, there's, there's example, always save cur- points. OK, because like Curse of the Moon, for example, if you die at the boss, you don't you don't just start right at the boss with all your characters. You're typically going back through like not a huge chunk, but like the last little like challenge of the level. You're typically yeah. going through that chunk of the level. And it's it's definitely a mechanic of later Metroidvanias game games where you have a save room where like you have and it's usually like there's a very short dif- distance between like a save room and a boss room. So but uh the thing that I really like about the exploration in those games is that anytime you go into a new area, you'll be kind of gauging how far you can go and maybe it like Maybe there's going to be a save room right around the next corner and you kind of look at the map and you're thinking like, okay, I see the layout of this map and I like there's definitely an area where I was like, okay, it's definitely not going to be down that path. (laughs) And I start going the other way and I realize it was of course it was down the first path and I fucked myself over. Right. But I yeah, love, I actually love the anxiety of like trying to plan that out. Like, how far can I go? It's so <laughs> that, and I, I, I know that I won't get that on subsequent playthroughs, but like they the initial like just exploration, I think was really worth it. And I was really glad. OK, cool. You feel good to wrap up uh, Ritual of the Night there? Oh, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked enough. Well, I, I, I'd probably go right into, uh, not that it's a smooth transition, but going back to uh, Curse of the Moon, Bloodstained, um, and, which was developed by Inti Creates. Uh, they also developed Mighty Gunvolt Burst, which was a combination of the Mighty Number no. 9 series and also the uh, Gunvolt series. Am I correct on that, Randall? Yeah, it's definitely just, it's just called Gunvolt, more right? towards the... The Mighty Number no. Nine side, uh, with Beck kind of being the main character of it, but yeah, it's kind of a combination of those two. Yeah, and you can switch to Gunvolt, and they've actually released a bunch of DLC characters that are like two bucks each that yeah. all have a bunch of different abilities, like from hovering or flying or combo mechanics, all all kinds of different stuff. 
Um, I just have Gunvolt back, and then I think there was one free DLC character. I don't know if it's still free, but it was initially, like, when it came out. I've never played with that character, but back in uh, Gunvolt, and right now I'm playing with Gunvolt and playing through those, and uh, I know you're talking about stockpiling of some health items, which kind of made me think of that. You can collect, like, different fruit throughout the level, like bananas, watermelons, this and that, and those are health items that you can eat throughout the level. And you can also get hearts and things to, or health packs or whatever to replenish your health throughout the level. But then you can save your your food that you have to eat, like during a boss fight, for example. Or at least that's how I've been playing. Oh yeah, like, save you that food. Have to. Yeah. Don't eat it because the boss fights are pretty tough, oh, like, even a little yeah. tougher than they are in uh, Curse of the Moon. Uh, at least for me, they're a little little longer. Uh, you know, maybe two, three, four different phases per boss Damn. that are gonna, you know throw you different loops or different curveballs to uh to your different challenges and uh I, I just find this game super fun it's it's got some crazy almost too in-depth leveling up aspects like or, or uh you can go into like customize your your guns at least with the gunvolt character who i've been playing with recently you can do and it with I'm all probably, the characters yeah yeah and you have like you can pick what type of bullets you want how how large the bullets you want to be how long they last on the screen how many times they deflect off of walls like they, it gets really in depth. So you, let me talk to that levels. depth for a little bit, though, because that's yeah, I go think ahead, a go ahead. core part of what makes this game stand out from a Mega Man game. Correct. It uses this CP system. There's these CP points that basically acts as this like overall cap of points that you have to spend. And as you're going through levels, you're finding uh, a lot of times in hidden blocks or when you defeat enemies, you'll gain these CP points that might be worth 50. Or if you find a secret area, it might be like, I don't know, 100. Um, But then that adds to your overall amount of CP points that you can allocate for those things that, that Kevin was just talking about. The speed of your bullets, the number of your bullets, the size of your bullets, uh, the type of bullets. Um, Is even it a permanent t- upgrade? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that you can switch on and off, like on the fly, even in the level, you can decide to change up how you, you know, play the game effectively by you, you can you essentially set stuff. up like preset perks like, OK, I want this set up. I want this set up. I want this set up. And you can uh, like switch those, like equip them on the fly. Yeah. So you don't need to like commit to a certain like setup. Each correct, correct. Totally. And when I went through the game, I ended up having two main kind of equips. One was like, I want super fast bullets for, you know, certain enemy types. And the other one, I want these like meaty, huge bullets that can bounce off of walls for bosses. And that just ended up and it does splash damage or whatever else. And oh, yeah, the one that I'm just going through the level on might be faster. And it also has the uh, the dousing mechanic attached where you'll have that HD rumble start going off when there's some secret in a wall that's nearby. So and and pretty similar to like uh, Curse of the Moon or or the old Castlevania games, you know, just blow through the wall and there's like. You know, not a hidden turkey or whatever, but a hidden, basically, you know, yeah. little room or power up or whatever. You hit every wall, regardless, <laughs> <laughs> just to check. Which, yeah. thankfully, you don't have to do with that dousing mechanic. It'll just tell you, and otherwise, you just keep rolling through the level, which is nice. Yeah, it speeds up the process a little bit for sure. Totally. Although I did yeah. want to talk to you how weird that like fruit mechanic is too, though, or that that is your health, but you kind of have to pause the game and go into a sub menu just to use. The health stuff to regenerate it's, your life it's a little clumsy for sure yeah. it, it definitely doesn't feel as fluid as the rest of the game feels because otherwise it, it feels like a pretty 
pretty fluid experience. Totally. You know, you're not you're not like going through even though it's very reminiscent of the uh, NES Mega Man games. You're not going through and like beating a boss and getting their power up. You're just kind of getting points and and items and unlockables and whatever to upgrade your character overall. So it kind of has more of like that RPG arc of uh, upgrading your power ups as you see fit. Although uh, you do get same. a choice at the end of those levels, you get the choice between you can get more CP points or you do you can get some sort of upgrade associated with that level or boss. If yeah, you want there's to. like three rare items per level. Right. There's there's like collectible items that you can find in the level. Right. And then there's rare items that I think you just get from beating the level and you get to pick between one of the three and then you pick one. Next time you beat it, you can pick one of the two. Yep. And get the rest of them. But but I tend to lean towards those CP. Oh, yeah. Just so I can power up my character. Definitely. Um, and, I, and like I said, I'm playing through this playthrough with Gunvolt and I'm finding, uh, you know, like the boss battles again on. on even though the boss battles in Curse of the Moon were were pretty interesting and cleverly designed, these typically have like a little more of that. Like, I get I get a little more of a rush while I'm fighting these bosses. Like, there's maybe one more stage to the battle, yeah, or one more like kind of quirk to the mechanics that you need to exploit to beat the boss or whatever whatever it might be. But I just feel like there's maybe a little more depth to these boss battles and even to the levels uh, themselves. Um, and you know, again, it's just like an NES Mega Man classic. There's a lot of these Gunvolt games again on the, on the DS and the 3DS. Um, and there's, I think there's even a couple on the switch, but, uh, but pretty fun kind of crossover. It's almost like what mighty Gunvolt number nine should have been mighty number nine. If yeah. that makes sense. It might, yeah. Mighty number nine. Yeah. Not mighty Gunvolt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I, I really think I'd agree with that. Like and I played through with Beck, which is the 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 character of Mighty Number no. Nine, and it's just supposed to be like, hey, Capcom's not making Mega Man games, so we're just gonna make this thing. And that was one of the first huge Kickstarter things. It's infamous. I probably don't have to tell anybody listening what that's all about. <laughs> you can read all kinds of long articles about what the hell happened there. Um, but one good thing that did come out of it, at least to the side, was this game, I think. And playing through with with uh, Beck, you know, that I'm like, oh, this is actually just like a good Mega Man game. I had a really good time. I beat this game. So, oh, I, man. Yeah. yeah. And that was a that was a little while ago, I believe, if, yes. you're, if I'm not mistaken. But yep. yeah, I, I've had a good time and I, I, you know, intend to keep playing this game, but haven't quite finished it. I'm, I would guess I'm about halfway through, maybe a little bit less, but having a good time. How long did it take you to beat it? Uh, good question. Um, there's like 13 levels or so kind of, which you can, which you can pick at will, I believe. Yeah. Maybe the first level is set, but after that, it seems like you can pick whatever level you want and then it'll clear them. But like I said, you can play them again and again to get the new unlockables or different power ups, different little, like there's just some of the like collectibles are just like a little pixel sticker that you can like for when you create your profile, you can just pick a different character or something. So some of them are completely unrelated to gameplay, but some of them really are. So is there like a max CP that you can gain or I have a feeling there probably is throughout the, if you were to like be a completionist, there probably is a max number out there. I would, I'd be, I'd be willing to bet. Uh, And it looks like based on my play time, I'd be about, uh, it was about four hours to, to beat it. I'm a, I would say I'm about two hours in and I, I'm finding myself with the flexibility to like pick some different weapons. But but yeah, like you said, Randall, I'm sure there's like a cap mm-hmm. to like the total number of points or CP points you can have. So, oh, yeah. Right, but 
Well, yeah, two hours is a good amount to have that flexibility. That's a good. Yeah, and and again, just like a uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, it seems like it has that like replayable avenues or there's like I mean there's like seven or eight I think different DLC characters you can buy that are two bucks each, which totally change up the mechanics. Like some yeah. of them can fly. Some of them can do these crazy dashes or charge ups or just seem like they you're playing through the same levels, like not tweaked at all. Mm. Like, you know, Shovel Knight kind of tweaks them a little bit to like, here's the same level, but, you know, to a little tweak to accommodate this character's abilities or whatever. This seems like it's same no matter what. But some abilities that kind of accommodate the level design or the uh, maybe not as much to the point of like Curse of the Moon. Where they have like not as explicit paths. like paths, right. yeah, yeah, just different. Like, oh, you can wipe out this enemy faster if you have this ability or whatever. Yeah, sure. But yeah, really cool game. I'm excited to play some more. So totally, um, especially after I I, I didn't play much Mighty uh, Number no. Nine, but I heard it was a little bit of a disappointment. It was a PS Plus game, uh, not too long ago, six months ish. Yeah, ago. I uh, I I. <laughs> I definitely committed myself to going through the game, which I, you know, I didn't have the greatest Mighty, impression. Mighty Number no. Nine, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't have the best first impression of it. Like the art style and voice acting were not really for me. But uh, you know, by the time I got to the end of it, I did really enjoy the boss fights overall, and say I had a pretty all right time with it. So nice. It seems like a way better version of that, though. From yeah. What? I'm gathering from you guys. Yeah, worth I'm unfamiliar out. with these Gunvolt games, but mm-hmm. I, I, to be honest, I am as well. I've never played any of them. This is my first foray into that franchise or whatever. But it's only ten bucks. Normally, I think I grabbed it on sale for seven or eight. But for ten bucks, I would not <laughs> not complain in the slightest. I no, mean, it's good. This is, a, this is a pretty fleshed out Mega Man game. Again, a, apart from the fact that you're not like beating a boss and getting a new power up to beat the other bosses with. But apart from that, like gameplay wise, it's pretty, pretty spot on and allows for a little more customization, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. So, yeah, that was pretty much all I had to say about uh, Mighty Gunvolt Burst. But uh, DJ and I were uh, perusing the uh, eShop earlier today and we uh, caught a pretty new release. I think it just came out a week or two ago on the uh, Nintendo eShop, at least. Uh, It's called Duke of Defense. It's a tower defense game, uh, pixel art style uh yeah normally 15 bucks it's on sale for three bucks so we snag or dj snagged that and i'm definitely gonna pick it up uh, as soon as i hook my switch back up but uh we played a couple of levels on uh co-op uh it's got two-player co-op mode local co-op that is and yeah you know. were comparing this to a game you've played in the past right yeah uh, pixel junk monsters oh, and uh, pixel junk monsters 2 in particular but either one um but you're pretty much uh you know, you can build a bunch of different towers and it seemed very similar. You got your arrow towers, your bomb towers, nice. your uh, air defense. Like they seem like they're still shooting arrows out, but yeah. particularly at enemies in the air. Uh, there's different like winged enemies or bats and stuff like that, at least on the first few levels. Um, but it's got the same kind of approach. Like you can see the next wave that's coming up on the top of the screen. There's like a little like kind of UI system. You can see how many waves are coming. You can see. Uh, you know, you can swap out the trees or basically what you have to swap out. You have to spend money and then pick a tree to swap out for either a bomb tower or whatever tower you want to pick 
and there's little winding paths that the enemy oh, travel. Geez. The enemy so it's really similar to it's Pixel super Chunk similar. There's, I mean, there's even like <laughs> there's gems that you have to collect to build up the more powerful towers like, yeah. along with the coins. Like it's super, super similar, but it's a strictly 2D style, a pretty primitive pixel art style, like 8-bit, but like almost more primitive than that. It's a stylistic 8-bit, though. It's not like... Just yeah, a- like almost like that, like, Swords and Sorcerer... Or not Swords yeah. and Sorcerer, but like Su- Sword Brothers, Swords Super Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> that Super Brothers EP, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Like yeah, very that, those, thin, elongated. The long... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh... But yeah, it's a, and it's got a two-player co-op mode, so we're a local co-op mode, so we're like, let's check this out for three bucks. And uh, we played the first few levels and had a lot of fun. Nice. Um, there's a few little like quirky things that are a little bit annoying, like the UI system. Like, for example, I'm player two. So like whenever even if I'm upgrading a tower that's on the left side of the screen, like the little upgrade doesn't doesn't pop up right above the tower that I'm at. It pops up on the right side of the screen because mm. I'm player two. Oh. It takes up like almost the full half of the screen. Like, do you want to upgrade the range or do you want to upgrade the power? uh for this uh this arrow or this like kind of like crossbow tower i guess um and you get to upgrade it i think five times each like each tower can upgrade it to five times you just kind of stand on the tower just like in pixel junk monsters and just kind of like you don't dance or anything like that but (laughs) you just kind (laughs) of stand and you can see the bar charge up but definitely is that uh, risk reward stuff that yeah. you like, where it's like you could be using your builder to go out and, you know, slash the enemies and be in a better position to collect the gold when they drop it because it doesn't stay there forever. Yeah. And you do have a sword and a dodge roll, which is something that in uh, in Pixel Junk Monsters, uh, the original game, I don't think you have any means of attacking the enemies. I think in uh, two, you can jump on some of the enemies. Yeah. yeah you can do still kind a of a bit, jump homing attack type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a little bit difficult to manage like in this game you can you can legitimately like okay i'm gonna set up let's let's set up some air like we didn't necessarily do this strategy but you can like say okay i know there's some a bunch of uh flying enemies coming up on the next wave so we're gonna set up some uh air towers on this first wave with the initial money we get and we're just gonna go for hacking and slash in this first wave and you realistically could accomplish that maybe not every enemy without taking any damage and it does have a little bit more of like an overarching uh upgrade system like some of the levels i don't know if we perfected them we definitely didn't perfect them because we took some damage definitely haven't perfected any but there were some levels where we were given these skill points upon completion it was like a gold coin yeah and then we could in the hub worlds you know buy these permanent upgrades like increase your you know slashing attack or you know your uh build time for towers stuff or the number of coins the number of coins you get for killing enemies with the sword or the how quickly you can attack with the sword and you have a dodge roll that you can uh, avoid enemies with as well i think i might have mentioned that before but are those just like individual upgrades you can choose or is it in like a skill tree type of format there appears to be like some branching we don't know if that means necessarily that you can only pick one i i would assume i couldn't tell if you could pick one or the other or if you just had to like particularly there were some that looked like you definitely had to like you had to unlock this one to unlock like the branching paths off of that um and there were like it looked like maybe three different sets like here's your sword upgrades here are your 
uh, like magic or whatever upgrades in here, your tower upgrades. Right, your builder. Yeah, it was like yeah. three sets of seven, I think. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and it's like, again, that really primitive uh, pixel art style. And again, uh, the to get to it sooner than later, the soundtrack is Ooh. fantastic. <laughs> Ooh. Like it is, there's some really like interesting uh, timings. Like one of the songs is in like a seven, eight rhythm. A lot of like waltzes almost. Huh. But, like, but crazy, like really good dynamics. Like there was one point where we were playing, and I was like, we we're like the very first level, I think, or maybe even on the opening screen. And I was like, we were like, oh, this soundtrack is awesome. And I was like, just give me some drums. And then there was like a feel like, and we're like, oh, this here it is. And then it kicks in right after that. It was it was really cool. Like just really, and every level so far, we've only played like I think five levels so far. But each level has had its own song, and we're still in the first world that seems to have like two or three different like kind of subset or subworlds uh, that have three levels each. Again, very similar to Pixel Junk Monsters, right? And uh, what each level is maybe what like five minutes? Yeah, five, seven minutes. That sounds and it's all in real most. time too. Like the the building phase, like is there's not like a like you build and then you select that you're done. Like it's nope. like there's a timer that's counting down the whole time until the yeah. next wave. So yeah, you're building mid wave and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's yeah. Yeah, 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 and and one thing that was cool that we realized, like we played the first four levels co-op, and then DJ went to. We were showing John the game after he got here. Yeah, and then uh, when Kevin DJ didn't want to play with yeah, me. I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still feeling a little bit of hernia pain here, so I was uh, laying down on the uh, shag rug, and uh, <laughs> DJ was playing solo, but he was able to pick up right where he left off. So oh, that's sweet. Like same same skills that I already same level. Oh, that's yeah, really yeah. cool. Yeah. So and yeah, all the skills we unlocked applied to just both of us. It wasn't like oh, I nice. picked mine and he picked his. It was all all universal. Nice. But really fun. I I haven't picked it up yet, like I said, but as soon as I hook my switch back up for three bucks. Yeah. That and again, sweet. even even for fifteen, again, there's there were a few bugs that we came across or a few little like glitches. But other than that. But it just um, came out too for what that's worth. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah plenty of room for for fixing it up and potentially even adding more content to the game a lot of these games tend to do that so right oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna plow through this probably by (laughs) (laughs) more to come i I would imagine we'll talk about this game a little more next week yeah (laughs) it's awesome so yeah from one building game to another let's talk a little dragon quest builders too huh yeah let's do that let's do that so uh, how much have you played of this, Randall? I, so I'm only in like the first, I think I've got like an hour down. I just made to the Furrow Field Island. Yeah, but but you've played a lot of the original game, correct? Pretty decent amount. I, I didn't beat it by any means, but, you know, I got enough into it to know what it was about. Nice. Uh, how many chapters did you do of the first game? Oh, boy, I can't remember at this point. Not because I, I know they had four and it's it's a similar layout of Dragon Quest Builders two. Okay, I, I remember I was uh, when I first started playing the game. Like I I think I texted Kevin that I was like, man, this game makes like Dragon Quest Builders one look like a beta. Yeah, like they've improved like on so many different levels. They've added so many quality of life improvements. Yes, like just everything is just so much easier to access and navigate. And but like I, I I'm a I played a ton of Dragon Quest Builders one like I beat that game and I played a significant amount of time in the free world, which was essentially just um like Minecraft game, like free build level. Oh, OK, yeah. Just could, like the create section, basically. 
Yeah, once you like unlocked every recipe in each like chapter, it would be unlocked in the free build mode. Gotcha. And uh, it's kind. Of, there's a similar mechanic in uh, Dragon Quest Builders Two, where you have the main like story chapters or story islands in this game, where you'll go to them and you'll unlock new uh, mechanics. And the mechanics are so fleshed out in this game, and they add a lot of uh, a, a thing that I I really like is uh, there is always kind of uh a, a light ai in the first dragon quest builders like yeah. you could build specific rooms and then uh your townsfolk would go in like in the kitchen they would cook food or in like the smithy they would craft items right um but there's way more uh like involved for uh the ai of the like townsfolk in the various islands and your main island um like yeah how far are you in the furrow field just like just got there just saved that other character so like barely at all right just enough to know it's like the this is the farm island or seemingly yeah and and the the islands do a really good job of like communicating those specific mechanics so like the first one like you'll learn like bit by bit like oh certain crops grow in certain conditions and you have to grow different fields yeah and like they'll they'll have like different quests laid out so that you learn like the different mechanics a little bit by a little bit and uh they still have the kind of tower defensey honestly like it's very similar uh like i don't know uh, another way to describe it where like uh there'll just be you've built up your defenses around your town and then there's just going to be wave of wave of enemy coming and right. they're going to be attacking your walls and trying to break your uh, rooms that you've built and it's just up to you to like defend against these waves of enemies which i i think like i saw as more of a nuisance in the first game yeah i think they've also kind of built it a little bit better now um i think they only did it after like the main boss in each chapter in one but now in case like if any enemy comes and like thoroughly wrecks your base like your townspeople just rebuild it as it was before <laughs> which is uh so nice if you've like meticulously placed every piece of furniture yeah that's a nice quality room. of life thing yeah <laughs> but yeah that, that's that's basically the the whole of the game is that it's just dragon quest builders one but like They've made so many improvements just to make it more accessible and more easy to play. Are these like improvements, things that you recognized were needed as you were playing the first one? Or is it just like, oh, like I was surprised by this. And now looking back as soon like yeah, I can't go back. Honestly, there was some where it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just used to like placing (laughs) two blocks like at like in one second and then moving on into the next and doing that a thousand times in a row and then yeah. as soon as you're like oh let me just put up an entire wall at once you're like good lord <laughs> well even there was like that i think you said it was like the trowel mechanic yeah you're like you're swapping out like nine or twelve tiles at once for like i want to swap these all for sand oh, tiles man. and wow. you switch them yes, all to sand and then oh, you so also good. gather all whatever that land was previously before that's yeah they give you deal. a lot of different tools that are like from an easily accessible menu like map to a button whereas like before i i feel like if i remember correctly that in dragon quest builders one like your uh mallet was in the same equipment slot as your like sword Right. So like you like had to choose whether you were attacking or like building, whereas now they're mapped to separate buttons. Right. And even that is mapped to it. Like there's a glove that you can just pick up items without necessarily having to like break them with a mallet 
or yeah, the trowel, which you can use to either like fill in a wall or swap whatever, like uh, in a specific square area. And they, there's, uh, I haven't even unlocked all of them. I know like you get these objectives on your, on the main island, which is kind of the free build island, but at the same time, they still have like some light goals, um, but there's not as much like specific objectives as like on this, on this specific islands that you have. That's cool though. Um, yeah, it's really great. And uh, they also have these uh, procedurally generated islands that um, kind of service as scavenger hunts where you go to like you are given uh, two separate uh, groups of items that you're looking for and you go and you check off when when you found them. And when you find them, you unlock a uh, permanent uh, craftable item or a craftable resource as an unlimited. So okay. the very first two that you unlock, I uh, or the very first island that you can unlock is the two craftable uh resources you can get are wood and dry grass so anything anytime that you need to craft something with wood you will have an unlimited amount of it so you nice. need to farm for wood like you don't need to just be going around like with a hammer breaking things apart. every single tree you yep. find like and especially when you're like crafting most furniture like that requires wood just having that be un- like unlimited resource is such a nice thing that i never thought that i like wanted or needed and then i was as soon as i had it i couldn't imagine going back about <laughs> it and what about that like hover like paragliding breath yes. of the wild-esque the mechanic was that in the first game as well it was not no. okay again like once you is get that it from me, the get like do you have that from the start or not from the very like start because i do not have that yet Oh, you, okay. Once you get it, you are going to be just climbing everything and jumping off it to oh, travel. Man, I love that. I think it's the same speed as your dash too, but it doesn't use any of your uh, stamina. So, okay. Like it's uh, as soon as you are like two uh, like blocks above ground. Like any time, I would use it as opposed to running. Oh, geez. Yeah, you almost okay. you almost morph into like a like a little mini like pop figurine of your character it looks like mm-hmm. i don't know something something you're just holding on to a little character. yeah holding on to a little blanket and you're just hovering <laughs> yeah that's awesome but yeah it's a it's a really fun game i'm enjoying it a lot i'm uh i think in the final chapter right now but i'm still i've i've i have the opportunity to advance and i'm just hanging out on the main island just building more buildings that's like, a good eh. sign yeah. Are you completionisting this game? Oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely am, but I need to build more toilets. So, <laughs> yeah, can you get your towns to a place where you can just kind of leave them alone and not have to manage stuff? Or do you so, always have to kind of... I didn't show you. Um, I, I, I uh, gave Kevin and DJ like kind of a tour of my, Sneak peek. of my main island now that I've completed like the three main other islands that are like the story islands. And those story islands are very long as well. I think like the first one, once I reached the point where I thought it was done, I was like halfway done with Jeez. it. So like they are a time commitment. And when you uh, finish an island, then once you only after you finish that island, when you come back to the main island, do you unlock all the recipes you learned from that island? So there's always an incentive to like finish them before going back. So even when I, I was like getting to a point where I was like, man, I, there's so many things that I want to do back on my main island, but I also want to 
I want to have this wall that right. available that I can build. So like, there's always an incentive to go back and finish it. And it's my but, understanding that everything you make is persistent regardless of the next quest you take on, right? Like it's going to stay there for the most part. For the most part, yes. But there, uh, there is like specific crafting tables that you have access to. Yeah. Uh, so which was very similar to the first one, where like you would get to an area, but it was like a mining area, so you only had access to a forge or like a mining table. Okay. You couldn't necessarily build like farming stuff, so you wouldn't be harvesting like crops there. Yeah. You'd be focusing mostly on getting ore and like refining it and making things with that. Uh, it's it's similar in that in the in the like specific islands that are story based. Um, but once you get back to the main island, yeah, you have access to everything and you can do anything there. But uh, to go back to like DJ's point about uh, what, because the AI is, I think is way more developed in uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2. I have, once I finished the farming island, I have built a farm, like full of fields for every single crop. And I have, I, have not been there since basically I built it or I just go back to plant a new crop that I find and I come back there and the entire thing has been taken care of. They've been (laughs) depositing the crops. I have more cabbage than I could ever use in my (laughs) lifetime. (laughs) Like, but, uh, yeah, like they're, they have been actively doing that. They've been, uh, not necessarily expanding beyond what I've built, but uh, they are definitely taking care of what I've done. That's sweet. Same, yeah, that's like awesome. So it's it's fun to come back and just be like, oh, cool! I've got like infinite sugar cane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, reliable employees. <laughs> <laughs> I know no, I've been enjoying that- this game. I haven't played it a ton, but like the hooks are already in. Like I just enjoy being in the world. It's really colorful. Mm-hmm. It's got that great Dragon Quest soundtrack going for it. Um yeah. my uh my eleven month old daughter like just loves it. She like laughs at the screen just because it's so like vibrant and fun and just looks like a cartoon in like the best yeah. possible way. So yeah, I'm definitely I'm gonna yeah, be my- playing more. I was showing uh, my, my fiance like what well, there's the like powiaois, which are the yetis, and if you feed them an ice like popsicle, then they turn every like all the ground around them into uh, a snowy scape. And then uh, the second Lauren saw that, she's like, "Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome." Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Randall, because I, I was going to mention like the the little bit that John showed us, like. The world feels very lived in. It does. Like the the enemies just kind of pop up. Like uh, I, I, like it does feel a little barren in a way, but but it just feels it's a, it's a massive improvement over one. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's it is just kind of like Minecrafty or voxely or yeah. whatever you want to like it. The characters and one that are way more detailed than that, but like the the world itself is definitely just cubes, but it it feels more dynamic than that definitely just it's not just these like little puzzles that you're putting together these little structures like it's it's definitely a more fleshed out experience and they definitely do a good a good job on like the main island of and i I think it might be uh like terrain based where i think like in a like uh, a desert area they'll like spawn more like scorpions or like in a muddy area they have like an earthen hand like enemy yeah or like in a in a rocky terrain they spawn these enemies so they, they do a good job of like even though like 
there's maybe not like set areas for each enemy like the enemies are very like live like specific to a terrain that you've built so right it, like feels make like it makes sense it's much more than minecraft plus objectives this is like a fully fleshed yeah. story-based thing and yeah. it's good yeah it's it's really good and uh even uh, it's also like a very dragon quest story so yeah like, even though it looks cute <laughs> like the very first thing is like you come up on like a sh- you get shipwrecked on a shore and there's just like corpses yeah they're just straight up dead like <laughs> just real corpses just sitting there whoa I, like yeah i was not Sayonara. prepared for that i was and and like it, one of them is like still alive in the you're god of destruction friend like he's yep. like oh want me to finish them off yeah. <laughs> i was like <laughs> but nope there's just like three other corpses just lying there along with some slimes some dead slimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking well, of speaking of corpses let's kill this episode <laughs> <laughs> we can just roll from there screw it (laughs) yeah all right so that uh pretty much wraps us up this week thanks for listening to pursuing pixels uh this is episode 13 and uh like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode we uh did the game of the month this week and uh we're gonna do the game of the month for august and we're gonna dip into uh into the breach this time around we've been playing a bunch of strategy games between pad north and uh 8-bit invaders and i think there's been a few others around and uh, we're going to dive more into that. John's played, uh, I think, all the way through this game to some capacity. So Dang. we'll probably bring you back if you're uh, down if to join us, us again. If yeah, you'll have me. <laughs> We'd love to. We'd love to. Yeah, thanks. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll pretty much wrap it up there. So I uh, hope you all have a good night, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Uh, like I said, or God, let me start over. <laughs> yeah, like I, said, like, like I, I said, <laughs> like I said, like I said, you numbskulls. I need to repeat myself. <laughs> this has been pursuing pixels, <laughs> you morons. <laughs> Listen here, sweetheart. This has been pursuing pixels, sweetheart. We've been sinking the whole time, <laughs> sinking like a stone to the bottom of the sea. She. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> you took a breath to lisp stupid. <laughs> now I can't breathe. <laughs> I gotta go to casual mode. <laughs>